This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. Welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler, hang your cloak on a peg, and come gather around the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. Well, happy Father's Day to all the dads, and for all of those uh, of you who are fortunate enough uh, to be fathers. Uh, my boys uh, made my Father's Day extra special. I got me a new barbecue, <laughs> and it only took me about a day and a half to assemble it. But, I mean, my gosh, you have to assemble a, a team from NASA to put those things together these days. However, I got it done just in time uh, to put some uh, burby, uh, bar, uh, burgers <laughs> on the barbecue. Wow. A busy show tonight, as always, and here's a taste of what's ahead. Uh, our panel in just moments, George Freund and John Rappaport are here to discuss uh, the recent shooting uh, of the GOP's uh, men's baseball team back in uh, earlier this week in Alexandria, Virginia. Four people, of course, including Re- Representative Steve Scalise, Republican of Louisiana, member of the House leadership, uh, were shot Wednesday morning in an attack at a baseball field. Uh, the shooter, James Hodgkinson, 66, Belleville, Illinois, of course, died following a shootout with uh, police. And he was a self-described leftist activist, a volunteer for Bernie Sanders' campaign. And he reportedly had a kill list in his pocket of other Republicans. And this really just capping off, um, well, a year and more of um, increasingly violent rhetoric, I must say, on, uh, from the left. Uh, the leftist media, uh, certain members of the um, the Democratic Party, and uh, Hollywood, of course. So, uh, has the left effectively declared war on conservatives? We'll discuss. Uh, then, are scientists putting us in danger? A molecular biologist says many in the scientific community are ignoring empirical science, and uh, they're more worried about grant money than seeking the truth. Dr. Jonathan Wells is the author of Zombie Science, and he'll be here uh, right after the break. What's in the box, of course? Our weekly remote viewing experiment. Uh, The man behind the terrifying paranormal documentary, Sir No-Face, Chad Kalick, will be here. He, of course, of Paranormal State and American Ghost Hunter. Hour two, 
As always, open lines and Carl Gallup's on the alien deception. Busy show, indeed. Let me quickly introduce the boys in the band. On the Flying V Gibson guitar, technical producer Ian Robertson. On the Rickenbacker bass guitar and occasionally the theremin story producer Albert Vinzel. And finally, on the Hammond B3, the producer of my weekly radio feature, Strange Planet, Ryan White. Ryan White is here. All right, very quickly. Uh, our weekly remote viewing experiment, you know the drill. Let me give you the coordinates. The mystery object is inside the cigar box uh, to my left on the studio desk here at Zoomerplex, 70 Jefferson Ave in the Liberty Village neighborhood of Toronto, Ontario, Canada. All right, remote viewers, now get to work. The one who correctly identifies the object will be rewarded with some fine conspiracy show uh, merchandise and please take a moment to visit the online store at theconspiracyshow.com theconspiracyshow.com if you're a fan of the show why not show it off and get yourself a mug or a t-shirt or a phone case theconspiracyshow.com now you must to be eligible you must use the hashtag TCS Remote, and you must tweet me at Richard Serrett, at Richard Serrett, S-Y-R-E-T-T, use the hashtag TCS Remote. All right, June 14th, 2017, Alexandria, Virginia. A man opens fire, and uh, several Republican members of Congress practicing for the annual congressional baseball game for charity, which was scheduled for the next day. James Thomas Hodgkinson of Belleville, Illinois, shot four people. House Majority Whip Steve Scalise of Louisiana. Zach Barth, a congressional aide. Matt Micah, a Tyson Foods lobbyist. And Crystal Greiner, a Capitol Police officer assigned to protect Scalise. Uh, a 10-minute shootout uh, ensued between Hodgkinson and uh, officers from the Capitol and Alexandria Police. They shot Hodgkinson. He later died from his wounds in George Washington University Hospital. Uh, Scalise and uh, the lobbyists were hospitalized at the MedStar Washington Hospital Center. Scalise uh, underwent at least three operations on a hip wound, and uh, now his condition has been upgraded to serious from critical. Uh, He was the first sitting member of Congress uh, to have been shot since Arizona Representative Gabriel Giffords was shot back in 2011. Now, the question is, should we be surprised, given the, the violent rhetoric... Uh, from people like Kathy Griffin holding a mock severed head of the president, Uh, a play in New York City, which is a modern reworking of Julius Caesar, where uh, Julius Caesar has been replaced by a man who dresses and acts like President Trump. He's assassinated in a bloody stabbing rampage, and the killers in the play are portrayed as the heroes. Has the left declared war on conservatives? Here to discuss is independent researcher and the host of the podcast Conspiracy Cafe, George Freund. George, welcome. How are you, my friend? Oh, not too bad, thanks. And happy Father's Day to you. Happy Father's Day to you, my friend. And um, my understanding is we do not have John Rappaport. Uh, not available. All right, so we will soldier on in his stead. And we should uh, point out uh, for those who want to uh, to follow George Freund's uh, podcast and his, his uh, blog... They can go to conspiracy-cafe.com, www.conspiracy-cafe.com. Uh, first of all, um, your, your thoughts on, on that shooting last Wednesday, George. This was a orchestrated assault, not just on Trump, 
I don't know if you came across the information that, uh, you know, surprised me as well. It was Trump's birthday. And this was a birthday present from the deep state just to remind him that not just that we're gunning for you, but all the conservatives in the Congress are put on warning that if you cross us, we'll finish you, and we know where you are, and we know how to get you. And uh, that, that was probably like the, the deep mafia-style message that was sent to him and to people. Hard to, hard to substantiate anything like that. Well, let's assume for a moment that it was – it. You, there may be something there, George. I can't speak to that. But let's assume that it was as it appears, just for the time being, and that it was this lone wolf, this self-described leftist activist. Apparently he was living in a van um, and um, had been sort of stalking them, had a kill list in his pocket of other prominent Republicans that he wanted to target. But the question about the how how much of the how much of this we have to... Oh, I understand we are now joined by uh, John Rappaport, our investigative reporter uh, and uh, the man, of course, behind No More Fake News. John, welcome. How are you? Okay, Richard. Sorry for the delay. Got caught up with something couldn't avoid, but here I am. No worries. Um, George Freund from Conspiracy Cafe is also with us. And uh, just... Uh, George has weighed in on it. I want to get your immediate your your thoughts on on the uh, the shooting last Wednesday in Alexandria, John. Well, I don't think that there's any question that the question you posed does the political left have a part in creating an atmosphere that is conducive to terror is true by various actions that we've seen that make it okay, even trendy, fashionable, the right thing to do, the necessary thing to do. It's no use talking anymore. Argument and debate are past. We have you know, the greatest threat to our democracy, et cetera, et cetera, with Trump and so forth. And this sets the stage for people who may or may not have committed their violent acts anyway, you know, you can't go back and visit the woods and the shoulds and so forth, but uh, it certainly creates this kind of atmosphere. I don't think there's any question about that. Well, Bernie Sanders, uh, to his credit, immediately came out and condemned the action because Hodgkinson was a volunteer with his campaign. Uh, So Bernie Sanders, I thought, did the admirable thing. Nancy Pelosi, however... Uh, actually, initially she came out and said she's praying for, uh, you know, the families of the injured and also praying for Donald Trump and hopes he is successful, but then has quickly sort of um, backed up on that and is now blaming rhetoric from the right for the violence. I mean, they are they are unabashed, unapologetic, and, and unwilling to admit that the level of discourse has devolved to such an extent uh, that these things are now are now possible. George, I mean, how much of this do we have to lay with the, the left-wing media? How much of the water do they have to carry on this? Oh, most of it. There, there has I've seen people that I know that, you know, you think are upstanding, decent people and all that sort of thing, but they've been programmed by the media to hate Trump with a passion where they openly espouse violence as a means of getting their way and that they look at Trump as if he's some sort of demon that has to be removed from the body politic 
by force if necessary. And, you know, I find that just quite shocking. Like, you do have your chance. It comes four years from now. You get another election. And then, you know, you can put up some other candidate, and uh, and that's the way we settle our differences in countries that are free and democratic. We don't uh, have elections based on the tanks in the street or, or the level of violence that's uh, put one against the other. That's just totally uh, unsatisfactory. George Freund from Conspiracy Cafe, conspiracy-cafe.com. John Rappaport, investigative reporter, nomorefakenews.com. Uh, John George was intimating, and he's an independent researcher. I can't corroborate or really speak to it, but his suggestion is that Hodgkinson is no crazed lone wolf. This may be a warning shot uh, fired over the Trump presidency from deep within the deep state. Is there any credence to that? Well, anything is possible. I mean, I don't have any evidence that I can lay out there that shows that this is actually the case. Uh so, to me, uh, at this point, at least, it's an unanswerable question. But, sure, it's possible. I mean, look, the whole effort has been to say, and from the left, Trump is not the president. This didn't happen. There wasn't a real election. It was interference from Russia all along, etc., cetera, etc., cetera that actually illegally got Trump into the presidency and therefore he has to be removed because he's not really the president. Therefore, that's another reason you see why anything is doable here. Where does it end, though? Clamor ever since, well, even before the election, actually, but certainly since the election. We're just about out of time here, but where does this end? We've seen it ratchet up. We now have uh, we have conservatives who are invited onto college campuses, met with rioting mobs. We have Kathy Griffin holding up a severed head, a mock severed head of the president. We have a play in New York City, Julius Caesar, where Julius Caesar is President Trump being stabbed. And now we have this, this shooting. Where does this end? Uh, George Freund, quickly to you. Well, hopefully not in Civil War. The, you know, important part about Scalise is he was the one who was introducing legislation to get after the human trafficking and that was one of the big reasons that he was targeted is because that is the big scandal from the election was the pedogate scandal and one of the uh, prosecutors been three lawyers killed in florida one of them was a prosecutor who was looking into voting irregularities in florida all right we'll have to pick up and do that on another show george Uh, i want to follow up on that Uh, very quickly john to you where does this end I don't know where it ends, but it doesn't look great, I'll tell you that. It needs to end with something rational, but, you know, it's not happening. And um, there is no prediction about how far this can go. I mean, there are forces at work that are definitely trying to start a, a civil war in the United States. All right, we'll leave it there on that dour note. John Rappaport, nomorefakenews.com. George Freund, Conspiracy Cafe, conspiracy-cafe.com. Gentlemen, thank you both. Coming up next, are scientists putting us at risk? Dr. Jonathan Wells, author of Zombie Science on The Conspiracy Show. Take a look around. What do you really see? This is where you can tell all about it. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. 
Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. In a democracy, we elect officials so we can sleep at night. So why are you up? 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back. Bottom of the hour, our, our weekly remote viewing experiment results will reveal what's in the box and a special story from our very own Ian Robertson. This one's a good one. He told me a couple of weeks ago. Uh, this goes back into the family history, and you've got to hear this. And uh, also at 11.45, or coming up um, towards the, uh, the top of the hour, Chad Kalick, uh, paranormal investigator. You know him from Paranormal State and American Ghost Hunter. He's got a, a new documentary out called... Um, Sir No Face li- lives, and uh, he's touring the documentary uh, across North America starting in August. And this documentary reportedly uh, holds proof that ghosts are real. And this was a, a, a study sanctioned by the Australian government. So we'll uh, speak with Chad Kalick a little bit later. Uh, my next guest is a biologist and an author who says scientists are more worried about grant money than seeking the truth. He says tax dollars are being lavished on a scientific dead end. Many scientists don't want to upset their grant money funding, so they stay away from controversy. He says by doing this, scientists ignore empirical science, which is seeking the truth by formulating a hypothesis and testing it against evidence. And instead, they embrace what he calls zombie science, promoting material explanations despite opposing evidence. And just as in a bad zombie movie, the misguided neo-Darwinian theory of evolution and the misleading textbook images used to promote it, which Wells calls icons of evolution, they keep coming like a bloodthirsty zombie mob. Zombies are make-believe, but zombie science is real, and it threatens not just science, but our whole culture, he says. Jonathan Wells has two PhDs, one in molecular and cell biology from the University of California at Berkeley, and one in religious studies from Yale University. He's worked as as a, a postdoctoral research biologist at the University of California at Berkeley and the supervisor of a medical laboratory in Fairfield, California. He's taught biology at California State. His written work has been published in numerous outlets, and his latest book, Zombie Science, uh, hit shelves earlier this spring. His first publication, Icons of Evolution, shows how biology textbooks and rut- uh, routinely promote Darwinism using bogus evidence. Dr. Jonathan Wells, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Likewise. Um, first of all, what is, I mean, we sort of hinted at it, but give us what, a, a more detailed explanation of what you mean by zombie science, because that's a very provocative title. Well, I thought you put it very well. It's uh, telling materialistic stories uh, as though they were evidence-based science, when actually they misrepresent the evidence. And the icons of evolution I wrote about in 2000 are 10 of those in our biology textbooks. And here it is, 2017, and they're still with us. So obviously the materialistic story uh, matters more to some mainstream scientists than the evidence. Now, but when you say, or at least, you know, a lot of the press material uh, is saying that scientists are putting us in danger. It's one thing to offer up bogus evidence, you know, to prop up the new state religion, which is materialism and evolution. 
Uh, but it's another thing to say that this is putting us at risk. Where, where is that line? Where are scientists putting us at risk in their pursuit of grant money? Well, uh, any time that they uh, disregard the evidence in favor of keeping their grant money, they put us at risk. Uh, unfortunately, uh, science, which, as you said, should be the search for truth, has become predominantly a search for money. And along the way, the truth becomes secondary, and so does the evidence. And so scientists pursue lines of research that you go nowhere or actually lead to results that end up being retracted later in journals, and that's happening more and more now. Could you give me a specific uh, example, um, an area of study, whether it – I don't know, would, for example – uh, I call it the you know the global warming hysteria. Uh, I don't know where you, you know you fall in this argument. It doesn't really matter, but I'm wondering if that might be an example of what you're talking about. Where we're hearing a lot of phrases these days, like the science is in. There's no more discussion, which is in itself very unscientific, uh, as it applies to the whole global warming and anthropom- anthropomorphic global warming. Um, um, anthro- or man-made global warming. Sorry. So is, is that an example of what you're talking about, zombie science? Actually, I think it is, although I am not a climatologist, so my knowledge of that area is probably not much, much more detailed than yours. But I'll give you an example from my own area, biology. Uh, scientists learned, oh, 50, 40, 50 years ago, that most of our DNA does not code for protein. Only about 2% of it does. So uh, under, the, um, under the spell, as it were, of Darwinian evolution, they decided that the, the other 98% was junk left over from evolution. Well, they were wrong. It's turning out uh, in the last 10 years we've discovered that that other 98% does, in fact, perform important functions. And so this materialistic story that led to the myth of junk DNA, I call it, uh, has actually impeded science and actually held back uh, research in medicine. Interesting. And, I mean, as, I mean you, you live in that space. I mean, have you been – have you sort of run up against a situation where you've had to make a decision, uh, either uh, take the grant money or – or um, you know, stop studying or stop researching a particular you know area. Well, I decided uh, back in 2000 that I wasn't going to play that game. That's when I wrote Icons of Evolution, and became what my colleagues call the most hated man in America. I think that's an exaggeration, but it flatters me. <laughs> a badge of honor. And, uh, <laughs> yes, and so since then I've been on private money, uh, which is different from public grant money. Uh, It's not controlled by the scientific consensus. And so I have been relatively free from the problem, but many many of my colleagues have suffered from this. Molecular molecular and cell biologist uh, Dr. Jonathan Wells is with us, and uh, his new book is called Zombie Science, uh, came out uh, this spring. His first publication is Icons of Evolution, which shows how biology textbooks routinely promote Darwinism using... Of bogus evidence. I mean, we can we could uh, do another a whole show on uh, icons of evolution, uh, but let's talk about the grant money and how is it that this big money is getting inside research labs and and what of what are the consequences of it being there? Well, of course, scientific research does require money, 
but uh, tax money mainly we're talking about here in the, in the grant uh, situation, the tax money is funneled through committees that are dominated by uh, members of the scientific consensus who basically follow certain fads. Uh, one of them is uh, Darwinian evolution. I would say another is man-made global warming. And so they control where that money goes. Uh, I had a, re a colleague recently was told by the federal funding agencies that they would no longer be giving him money because he's a skeptic of Darwinian evolution. Wow. So this is um, – I mean, so they are suppressing then. If these people have – if these scientists who want to study something you know, that, that is, runs contrary to the – I guess the dominant orthodoxy, they get shut out. Yes, they do. They uh, can lose their funding. They can be deprived of their teaching responsibilities. And in some cases, they have lost their jobs entirely. They could lose tenure. Yes, and with that, their job. We had this big march, um, March for Science, it was called. Uh, what was that all about? The idea that they're all, the scientific community was coming together uh, for this March for Science. And again, which seemed, you know, you, you used the term consensus. What, is sci what does consensus have to do with science? Well, not much, really. Consensus is just another way of saying majority opinion. But the consensus has often been wrong throughout history, so whatever the consensus is now is not the judge of what's true. What's the judge of what's true is the evidence. So the march in April was supposedly about evidence-based science, but it was really about pressuring politicians to go along with the consensus and keep up the funding for things like Darwinian evolution and global warming. So... How do you continue to study? I mean, you're getting independent grant money. Uh, I mean, how, how are you able to get out there and generate interest? I mean, if you're such a pariah now in the scientific world, who, you know, who, who are these brave souls that are willing to, uh, to line up and fund you? Well, uh, independent individuals, uh, contributors to the organization I work for, the Discovery Institute in Seattle, um, and uh, there are plenty of other brave souls, actually. Actually, most, most scientists are not, uh, you know, like this. They just want to do their work and be left alone. But there's a significant number who enforce the consensus, and they're the ones who are the problem. Just going back to icons of evolution for a moment, you, you talk about all of these misrepresentations that you find that you were able to find in in textbooks, the old school textbooks. Can you give us a, a few of a, examples of that? Sure. Well, the one I first noticed uh, was a set of drawings by 19th century German Darwinist Ernst Haeckel, and they're drawings of embryos that supposedly show that we look a lot like fish as early embryos. Well, the drawings were faked. They were pointed, that was pointed out by Heckel's contemporaries, and yet they appeared in biology textbooks pretty commonly right up through 2000 when I wrote Icons of Evolution. Uh, I criticized them. Some textbooks removed them, but they're still there in some textbooks. So they're, 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 the, they're, some of the, they're among the zombies. Uh, Dr. Jonathan Wells is uh, with us, molecular biologist and uh, the author of Zombie Science. Uh, you pointed out something I wasn't aware of, and that is that uh, Darwin actually uh, believed that whales 
may have been evolved from bears. That just, on the surface, just sounds absolutely absurd. Well, he did. In fact, so many people laughed at him for it. He took it out of subsequent editions of The Origin of the Species, but he continued to believe it privately. And are there are there textbooks uh, who who still try to make that that connection that that whales evolved from some land mammal like a wolf or or something? Absolutely, it's quite common in textbooks. Uh, in the 1980s, uh, a wolf-like animal was discovered in Pakistan that had a bone in its ear, its middle ear, uh, that up to that point had only been found in whales. So even though it was a wolf-like animal living entirely on land. It was named Pakacetus, or Pakistani whale. And that still stands in, in a number of biology textbooks? Yes, pretty much all of them. And what, what it amounts to is that there's a story to be told here, and it doesn't matter whether the evidence really fits it, uh, but things have to be found to illustrate the story, and Pakacetus is one of them. I mean, I think we can all we all appreciate you know microevolution and uh, adaptation and so forth. But you can't even argue now. You can't even have a debate about macroevolution and and Darwinism uh, without being shouted down. Uh, much in the same way, you can't uh, challenge uh, the establishment on anthropogenic global warming without being called a denier. Um, I mean, we're just finding the level of discourse in all areas of society. We, we talked earlier about politics and, and how dangerous it's getting uh, now for conservatives simply to espouse their views. Um, but is, are you finding the same thing in the scientific community that, that – that, uh, I mean, it's one thing to hold these views, but you can't even have a, a cogent and rational discussion with someone on the other side without being shouted down? Unfortunately, that has become the case. Uh, things were actually more open about 20 years ago, but the, the polarization has re- reached a point now where critics of Darwinian evolution or critics of man-made global warming are shouted down, as you say. I, I've been called a denier, of course. I've also been called a terrorist, an enemy of civilization, uh, because I am a critic of Darwinian evolution. And you're not necessarily arguing for, I don't know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, arguing for creation. You're just saying, listen, however we got here, it may not have been the way that Darwin suggested. Is that right? Is that fair to say? Absolutely. That's correct, yes. All right. Well, uh, Dr. Jonathan Wells, you are a brave man, and I commend you uh, for your work. Keep doing what you're doing. And uh, where can people get a hold of zombie science? Well, they can get that and Icons of Evolution and other works at www.iconsofevolution.com. Iconsofevolution.com. Dr. Wells, if you're good for it, I'd love to have you on the program down the road, and we'll dedicate uh, a bigger chunk of time to talk about uh, evolution. Would you you be good for that? I would. Thank you. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Dr. Jonathan Wells, thank you. Icons of Evolution. Dot com. All right, bottom of the hour, the big reveal for our weekly remote viewing experiment. That's always fun. What's in the box? Use the hashtag TCS Remote and a, a special story of the mysterious little people from our very own Ian Robertson. That's coming up next on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. 
Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Poking holes in the darkness. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To see the light, call Richard now at 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back. Actually, uh, we'll do open lines at the top of the hour for the uh, for the half hour. Open lines from uh, top of the next hour right down to the bottom. And uh, coming up next... Uh, or shortly, I should say, is a documentary filmmaker, paranormal investigator, Chad Kalick. He has a, a new documentary out. Uh, it's called Sir No Face Lives, and it'll, he'll be touring it across North America beginning in August. We'll give you more details. Uh, you may know Chad from Paranormal State and American Ghost Hunter. Uh, this one is a uh, documentary that purports to show definitive proof that ghosts are real, including a full-body apparition. This was a part of a study, apparently, a paranormal research project that was um, sanctioned by the Australian government. And uh, Chad Kalick will be here shortly to tell us. Right now, of course, we will uh, reveal what's in the box, our weekly remote viewing experiment. And uh, before we uh, go to the Twitter feed to find out uh, what people are seeing or remote viewing, and remember, you must use the Twitter feed, at Richard Serrett, and you must use the hashtag TCS Remote, TCS Remote at Richard Serrett. Let's go around the horn first of all, and we begin with um, Ian Robertson in the other room. Ian, what's in the box? Uh, I'm seeing bread. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm, bread. Yeah, I'm seeing dough. All right, dough. Yeah. Well, that's different. That could be money. It could be money. Ah, all right. <laughs> dough, bread, money. Uh, Albert Venzel. I get something ground and dense. I, I guess uh, golf ball, go- golf ball, maybe because it's Father's Day. But all right, and uh, finally, Ryan White. What do you see? What's in the box? Kind of similarly to Albert, but I, instead of a golf ball, I see like a long, summery object, like a barbecue spatula or a fly swatter, something oh, long. Interesting. With a, all right. Yeah. Okay. What's uh, on the Twitter feed, Ryan? A, a ton of guesses on the Twitter feed tonight. I'll try to get to as many as we can here. Uh, Eric, a spool of thread, mm-hmm. seven flamingos, a golf tee. Uh, Drew, a stuffed toy dog, like a beanie baby. Jamie, a box of Smarties. Josh, a remote control. Daniel, a red action figure toy. Uh, YY, a letter opener. Aaron, a floppy disk. John, dice. Rogue One, a 1974 Canadian quarter. Aaron G, <laughs> a one-ounce bar of silver bullion. And the Mojo family thinks it's an orange Zippo. An orange Zippo. Oh, wow. All right. Well, who said a, lo- a letter opener? It's sort of close, but not quite. Why, why? why? Yeah. Long-time viewer. Yes, she is. And um, I, I, not close enough, I'm afraid. It's a comb. Can you see that? A black comb. Some of you saying, why don't you use it once in a while? <laughs> All right. There we go. Well, thank you for playing, and we'll, uh, we'll, start it. we'll do it next week again. What's in the box? Our weekly remote viewing experiment. All right. Now, uh, a couple weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, uh, I was sitting in the back studio. Uh, Ian was uh, producing. We were doing a, um, a, uh, a pre-taped interview. With, it was with Chris O'Brien, remember, the cattle mutilation guy. No, no, I'm sorry. It was with Rosemary Ellen Guiley weeks yep. before that. Yep. Rosemary was telling us, we were talking about this study up in Alaska. They, the the soci, um, anthropologists were going up there to study these um, Native American legends of little people. Do you remember that story? Yep. Okay, so 
after the interview, Ian, you told me this remarkable story. You said, well, hey, that reminded me of something, and just take it away. You have a story about little people. Yeah, my mom used to see one. Uh, So basically, when she was a young child, uh, she would always tell her parents, uh, I I see this man-like creature at the end of my bed, and it's tiny, and it would just sit and smile at her. How old was she? Around, I think, five or six. So she was a kid. Okay, yeah. but she remembers it vividly. Vividly. And, of course, her parents would say, oh, you're imagining it, it's nighttime, maybe you're sleeping, it's a nightmare, or whatever, right. but she was keen on it. How often did she see this little man? Often, often, like maybe once a month, I think she said. Once a month? Yeah, so and, it, was, it was often. And how long did that continue? I'm not, I'm not sure, I'm not sure, but what was weird is one of the nights, uh, my uncle was sleeping in, in the same room. Her brother. Her brother, yeah, and uh, she, he saw the little creature at the end of the bed. So he, of course, jumped up yelling, and the creature jumped to the window and ran down the east drop. So that was like a little solid, like proof. Yeah, corroborating you know? evidence. Yeah. So two of them saw it. But of course, the parents know you're making it up. Attention, you know. Is your is your uncle still alive? Yep. And you talked to him about yep, this. Yep. He's, he said and it he happened. swears up and down. And is he older or younger than your mother? Older. Older. Okay. Yeah. So how old was he at the time then? How much older is he? I think they're about four or five years apart. So he would have been ten. Yeah. So I mean. Kids still make up stuff, but they do. But but when you when you grow out of that stage and, yeah. you're, and you're an adult, then you sort of you tend to disavow that. Yeah. But they they maintain it to this day. Well, on top of that, when my mom had her first son, my older brother, she saw it in the hallway, leading to his room. Get out. Yeah, and of course she yelled at it, "No, stop, leave!" And it ran towards his room. So of course she runs in. And it was it wasn't there. Wow. Yeah. Albert Ryan, what do you make of this? So, I mean, like I said, I had multiple uh, adults corroborating the story. It's pretty wild. And your mother saw it when your, your, your sibling was born. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Albert, do you believe in the, 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 the little people story being spun here? I, I believe it because I've seen some, too. You've seen some. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. Where did you oh, see yeah, them? All the time. All uh, the time? All the time. <laughs> I, well... I, I it's it's hard to explain. It's hard to explain. You see little people where in your house? How little uh, are we talking about? First of all, I don't count. <laughs> <laughs> You're not a little guy. No, well, hang on, Albert, just one the, second. Uh, when uh, Graham Hancock was here, the, the elves—that's that's a very well-known thing. When you take ayahuasca, you, the elves is commonly seen. It's like do part you of take ayahuasca? Um, or no. But but it's the same as an altered state, like the the DMT, like in your brain. Like if you just relax, you you will drift off to an altered state. So you're seeing them when you're in an altered state. Yeah, then then you will see them, and and it's 100. percent Everyone sees the elves. That's like a, a a very common thing with ayahuasca. Okay, I'm not I'm not going to ask you to confirm or deny, <laughs> but I'm, I'll throw it out there. I mean, do you? Oh, well, I am going to ask you. Do you use ayahuasca? No, just just from meditating. Like I went to Vipassana, and they say, you know, you just sit under a tree, and, and you know, able able you you know, it's not uncommon at all to see like fairies or elves or like a magical realm. All right, uh, are you seeing them now? <laughs> no. <laughs> all right, Ian, how how tiny were they? Uh, I, I don't know. Like a foot, ten inches. I like think it would have been more tiny? than more than a foot. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. All right. Thought you might all enjoy that. I certainly did. Chad Kalick from Paranormal State and American Ghost Hunter will be here to tell us about the Sir No Face Tour, the Sir No Face Lives Tour, 
which uh, is a documentary purporting to show definitive proof that ghosts are real. That conversation is next on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Different views make great conversation. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard live, call 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Question everything. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Just a reminder, coming up at the uh, top of the hour, open lines, and uh, then the last half hour of the program, Pastor Carl Gallops uh, will be with us. The author of When the Lion Roars and Final Warning will be here to talk about the uh, alien deception, and um, among other things. Sir No Face, the documentary uh, which chronicles the Australian government's sanctioned paranormal investigation uh, that led to the filming of a full-body apparition for the first time in history, definitively proving the existence of ghosts. Wow, that's a pretty tall order. Well, we are going to talk about the um, Sir No Face Lives Tour right now, uh, hosted by Chad Kalick, who's known for his unique visual storytelling style, his poetic narration. He's best perhaps known as the on-screen focus director and producer of his autobiographical American Ghost Hunter, which was a documentary series chronicling the Kalick family's 20-year battle with the paranormal, uh, including Chad's attempts to determine if his own mother's alleged possession issues were authentic, or merely a case of mistaken mental illness. American Ghost Hunter would become the only independent paranormal documentary to ever claim the number one chart position as the most watched movie in America on Hulu and is currently the number three most watched paranormal film of all time on Hulu. As a paranormal investigator, Kalik has spent over 25 years investigating the world's most haunted locations in search of uh, answers to the bizarre, the mysterious, and the unexplained. Although known for capturing some of the most compelling evidence in the history of the paranormal field, Kalik has, had, uh, has also developed a reputation as a staunch debunker who's discovered rational explanations to many of the world's most famous paranormal legends. His, uh, he first burst onto the national scene in 2008 as the outspoken and often censored co-star and director of what would ultimately became, become rather a five-season run of A&E's hit reality series, paranormal state. Chad Kalick, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Thank you for having me, my friend. That, that's quite an introduction. I, I appreciate it. So, uh, the, the, the um, Sir No Face Lives tour kicks off in August in Austin, and then in September, it's a 28-city tour, correct? Y- yes, sir. Yes, sir. It runs uh, almost uh, just under six weeks. So, we're going to be on the road the whole time, um, letting everybody see... Uh, what went down in Australia? And as I said off the top, 
this documentary, you're purporting that you're offering definitive proof for the existence of ghosts. Are we going to see a full-body apparition in this documentary? Uh, you're going to see one step out of a wall uh, about eight feet in front of the camera in perfect focus and actually turn and look directly at the camera into the lens uh, before disappearing once again. Um, and it's not just the footage alone. When this footage was first uh, brought to my attention, uh, when I set out to make this documentary, I wholeheartedly believed I was going to be making a documentary about a gentleman that I was going to expose as a hoaxer, uh, simply because the footage was unlike anything I had ever seen. And every layer that I peeled back of this uh, story, uh, this gentleman, Craig Powell is his name, and his team is the West Sydney Paranormal Research Team. And uh, I have never went as far as I did with this uh, to try to disprove something um, as hard as I possibly could. And uh, when it comes right down to it, um, this is the real deal. This is the real deal. And people will see that uh, in this film. It's not just this piece of footage. There's many pieces of footage in the film that are truly mind-blowing. One of them you could see in the trailer where they had developed, during this two-year two investigation, they had developed what they termed as relationships with these spirits to the degree that they could do mind-bending feats that defied all science or all rational explanation, all scientific explanation, such as lighting up a room like a lightning bolt hit, uh, so bright that no shadows were cast with 12 people in the room, uh, as though the light was emanating everywhere. This and, is a room with uh, no electricity. They're sitting in the dark, and all of a sudden, there's a, this this flash poof, of light. Poof. Absolutely. And what's really interesting about the clip is the building they were in had no electricity running to it. There was no electricity anywhere in the building. Um, they actually went as far as to bring government officials in who experienced it as well. It terrified them. They went running out of the place. Uh, they brought skeptics from the street, literally went out and found people to bring them in to document it. Uh, that's one of the fascinating things about this team is they did everything right as a team as far as um, you know, documenting this and bringing in people um, to just independently uh, witness an, an experience. And this is just one clip of a number of clips. Um, and how the whole thing got started was fascinating. Yes, uh, let's the talk about that. Um, owned this this uh, island just off the coast of Sydney um, called Cockatoo Island, and it was a, a former naval uh, base um, as well as a former um, convict prison. And they were looking for something to do with it. So they turned it into this beautiful public park where there's like, you know, 200 amazing, like, uh, uh, tarp-tinted shelters and, and, they, and they're in an open campground. And I've been on that island four times. I've yet to see a soul on that island. There's a free ferry over there. And the reason this all started is because people were coming over, civilians, and were having crazy paranormal experiences that were scaring them to death and they were leaving and the, the government also couldn't keep people employed over there because they were having experiences and that's when they reached out to Craig um, at first I didn't believe that story until he verified it all with me showed me all the correspondence all the emails and then I knew it was true and the government um, started pressuring me to remove their names from the emails that I was using in the trailer in the film which of course I refused to do uh, the story is unlike anything anybody has ever seen. Um, 
and uh, I, I cannot wait for people uh, to see this at large. Chad Kalick is uh, with us, uh, the man behind Paranormal State, American Ghost Hunter, and now Sir No Face Lives, uh, the documentary, is uh, touring across uh, the United States. Any dates uh, anticipated for Canada? Because we'd love to see it up here too, Chad. Um, that's definitely in the works right now. We wanted to try to like clip uh, a part of Canada when we were up in New England, but then the decision was made, let's just go ahead and um, handle the U.S., and then we are going to um, uh, Australia, New Zealand in October, and then after that I think there's a uh, very, very good chance you'll see a Canadian tour um, to show everybody up there what's going on with the film. And if people want additional information about the tour and, and a list of the uh, the dates, there are 28 different cities, and it kicks off in Austin August 2nd. Uh, and then, as I say, uh, September 20th, 28 different cities. You can go to sirnoface.com, sirnoface.com, and that'll give you a list of the uh, the cities and so forth. Um, now, you're staking your reputation on this. I mean, when you say this offers definitive proof for the existence of ghosts, full stop, I mean, yes, sir. That's, uh, that, that's putting it all on the line. You know, and if you'd have told me that, you know, that I would have been doing this uh, when this began, I would have never, uh, I, I told you you were crazy. Because, again, I mean, I've debunked some of the biggest legends around as well. But the bottom line is, when you go through every possible scenario known to man, um, when, when, you know, I, I brought in a CGI expert. I mean, this is the guy who made Transformers, the first Transformers. He did all the CGI for the Avengers, Benjamin Button, Iron Man. And he's looking at me and going, yeah, no, it's not CGI. And, and everybody will see in the film how we were able to determine who, who, who even had access to the island and how this could have possibly happened. And every single possibility is just buttoned up. At the end of the day, you know, when you're left with no answers but one, I think you have to call it what it is. Um, now, does that mean that, you know, uh, every person in the world is going to go, yes, they, well, look, I mean, we have global warming deniers, but yet it's going on. So there, I'm sure there will be people that say, oh, I don't care, you know, I don't care. what." But the bottom line is there is no other explanation except for that this entity, uh, we use the word ghost, uh, this apparition is the real deal. Uh, it is not a human being. Um, we can prove this. Uh, it, 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 I don't know what it is. The way it moves is so shocking. Um, you know, you see in the trailer, uh, we've done some test screenings of it uh, with the rough cut, and you can see the responses of people who have come and, and to the event. And it's not like we had to, you know, handpick these responses. You'll see many responses of people that say, look, I'm a staunch skeptic. I showed up as a complete disbeliever, and I'm certain of what they captured. Um, Do you have those test dates? I never had a single person walk up to me and say, I don't think that's what you think it is. Uh, Uh, Does that mean that won't happen? Um, I, I don't know. But I am certain what it is to the point where I would stake my reputation on it, absolutely. And um, do you anticipate getting serious coverage from uh, the from journalists on, on this? Will they come and will they watch and will they report what they see, do you think? Well, what's beautiful is in the test dates that we did, uh, we did 17 total um, in different areas of the country, and we also invited the press. And the press did an amazing job of covering and um uh, you can see their responses in the extended trailer as well, which is on, which is at sirnoface.com. 
Um, and absolutely, we're inviting the press on each of these stops. Uh, I've spent the last week doing national press here in the States, um, from uh, mainstream political talk radio uh, to I have Coast to Coast coming up on the 24th. Um, across the gamut, everybody has been interested in the story, and it's been growing. And um, we absolutely invite the press in to, to, to see the film and to, uh, and to come to the screening and to see, you know, exactly, you know, what goes down. And, you know, this is always – it's a big thing for me to do, too, because, you, as you said earlier, and you're staking a lot on this, after this screening, I'm there to take, you know, a and a with the crowd. So imagine how confident I must be to say, I will screen this, and when it's over, I will stand on a stage with nowhere to hide, just me and the audience, and we can have a discussion about it. And so, again, you've um, had CGI yeah, the experts. Growing. Yeah, you've sure. had CGI experts uh, look at this, yeah. and uh, are, would they be willing to, I don't know, assign a sworn affidavit to that effect, do you think? Well, they're in the film. Yeah. I okay, mean, so they're on record. Not only that, yeah. He uh, creates his own version of it, you understand? Like he uh, creates yes. his own uh, attempt at it as well, uh, you know, to demonstrate the differences. And uh, he's in the film. I mean, he's, it's, you know, he, 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 he's signing an affidavit, I'm sure, but it's not going to be stronger than his own words, <laughs> you know? There you go. No, he's on the record. Yeah, no, he's on the record. No, he's in the movie. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. And this, this entity, you say it's not human. You know that, and we'll let people watch the documentary to find mm-hmm. out you know, why you believe it's. But how, who came up with the, the name Sir No-Face? Well, uh, as the film uh, reveals, there's a part of it I don't want to reveal right now because I don't want to give it away for people, but I could tell you where the No-Face part came from. And that was, um, Craig has many, you know, he just has a, a wealth of footage. And when talking about the different pieces, we were going to include because because Craig could honestly make five different you know documentaries. He has he has enough footage for five different documentaries. But when we were discussing the different pieces of footage, uh, the reason this one became known as the No Face piece is because, as you will see, it has facial feature or, or like the the rounded. It, it has no definable facial features although it has kind of the rounded uh, features of a face. So right. we would say um, th- this is the ghost with no face. So we started calling it the no-face footage, and there's a reason uh, you'll see in the film why it became known as Sir, which is what they called it. Well, if it can and walk it through walls, I'd call him Sir, too. <laughs> yeah, right? You know? Chad well, Kalick, I got a... I got a specific reason in relation to the island that it had that name as well. Okay, really Chad, I got I to run. Let me direct people to the website, sirnoface.com. Tour kicks off August 2nd in Austin, then 28 cities beginning September 20th, sirnoface.com. Chad, a great pleasure. I hope you'll come back. Thank you. Sir, thank you. Chad Kalick. Sir, no face lives. Open lines coming up next. Stay with us. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Live from Toronto, Canada, Earth, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. On Zoomer Radio. Thanks for inviting me into your home. Long haul truck, RV, camper, taxi, your parents' basement, your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. And a special hello to all of you listening in on our flagship station, Zoomer Radio, AM 740, 96.7 FM. 
here in the Liberty Village neighborhood of Toronto, Canada. Those of you, of course, checking us out on one of our affiliate stations, the podcast, of course, at iTunes, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn.com, TalkZone.com, the uh, the app for your mobile device, uh, the Conspiracy Show mobile or um, mobile uh, app, also the Zoomer Radio app, both free downloads. And uh, those of you, of course, watching us on the YouTube stream, all of you in the uh, the live chat, always great to have you with us. Thank you for that. However and wherever you're listening, I bid thee the warmest of welcomes, and I thank you for your fine company. Open lines now until the bottom of the hour. And then we'll be joined by Pastor Carl Gallops, a broadcaster, former law enforcement, law enforcement officer in the great state of Florida, and uh, also the author of a number of best-selling books, including Final Warning and When the Lion Roars. He has a new one in the works. It won't be out till fall. Can't tell you a lot about it. Uh, but um, he, he, Carl is going to be here. We'll talk about some of the things I think will be in that book. Uh, we'll talk about uh, aliens, the alien deception, as he sees it. Uh, also... Not sure if you're aware, there's a um, a worldwide wheat shortage. Wheat harvests throughout the world, Ukraine, Europe's breadbasket, here in Canada, the United States, uh, elsewhere. Uh, wheat production is way, way down, and some are suggesting that it is a prophecy, a sign of a coming worldwide famine. So we'll, uh, we'll talk to uh, Carl Gallops about that as well. Let me give you the numbers, because those are kind of handy when you're doing a phone-in show, after all. 416-360-0740. 416-360-0740. That's for the greater Toronto area. Uh, and then, uh, for out of town and long distance from just about anywhere, 866-740-4740. Again, 866-740-4740, and here in Toronto, once again, 416-360-0740. And we'll begin with Earl tonight in Oakville. Earl, welcome. How are you? Fine, Richard, and happy Father's Day to you, pal. And same to you, if, if you're... Yeah, uh, I, was, I was listening to you earlier about this uh, ghost phenomena with the light. Like When I was a teenager, I was, in a, I, I was sleeping and I woke up my... Uh, I'm in a dark room, my blinds are closed, completely dark, and there's a bright light shining, and it's going across the lower part of the wall very slowly, and I'm looking at it, it's like, what the heck is this thing? I don't know, was it a UFO or a ghost or thing? I, could, I can't explain it. Well, the, you know, the, the more prosaic explanation and, and, uh, that I've heard, and I don't necessarily believe that that's, the, you know, in, in this case, Earl, but uh, have you ever heard of uh, ball lightning? It's a very uh, unusual phenomenon. It does happen. It's called ball lightning. And yeah. uh, I have heard tale uh, of, of uh, lightning coming through windows and so forth, and it takes the form of a light, and it just kind of floats around, and then it's gone. Really? Um, however, uh, you know, it doesn't necessarily sound like that's what happened with you, but it's no, hard to— No, I don't think so. I don't think it was lightning or raining out that night. Yeah, well, you don't have to have rain to have lightning. Um, yeah, I know, but my blinds were closed. It was a there you completely go. dark room, and this yeah. bright light shining, and it's going slowly across the wall. Interesting. The lower part of the wall, and I'm looking at it, and I'm thinking, what the heck? Do you think it was an—well, maybe it could have been an orb, yeah. uh, which apparently is the, the easiest form for a spirit to take, uh, rather than, really, a, say, a yeah. full-body appar- uh, apparition, as we discussed yeah. earlier so with Jack. an apparition, huh? 
Well, it could be um, it could be an orb. That's what some people um, uh, think those are. Yeah. Well, that re- you were discussing you already reminded me of that, so I thought I'd give you a call, pal. I appreciate it. Thanks okay, so much, take Earl. Care. You too. Bye. All right. Let's uh, say hello to Brenda, who's checking in from Stony Creek. Hello, Brenda. Welcome. Um, hello, Richard. Hi Happy there. Happy Father's Day. Well, thank you. Richard, actually, you know me. I have been. I have called in the show before. All right. And we've discussed targeted individuals. Ah, uh, yes. We were actually talking about Oliver Stone, and you mentioned his son, Sean Stone. That's right. Yes, and hoping that they might they, they might tackle this uh, this topic. Uh, Absolutely, I was hoping it as well. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's hard to get the attention of people like that, but uh, and I did try. Uh, you you sent me that letter, and um, I reached out. I didn't hear anything back. I wasn't surprised, but we could try it again. Um, however, it's you know it's not necessarily um, you know something that we couldn't approach somebody else with. Uh, Richard, I have got something very interesting to tell you tonight. Okay. And I think that you are right. I think that we should move on and try to get someone else's attention. I have become very frightened by the information that I've gathered. And I'm going to tell you what it is, and then you can comment. Okay. That's okay. All right. It took 19 years, 19 years. It was about five weeks ago, way after the last time I spoke with you, to get a piece of evidence that I wanted to prove what I had been saying and writing to you about. So basically, um, a couple of the people that had been harassing us for years, we took them to court, and they were protected by the police. Now, Okay, for those who aren't familiar with your story, Brendan, and I and I am um, cautioning you not to use names. Um, oh, I know that. Of individuals, yes, I but know not just to use any names. For the for the people that don't don't know your story, uh, there's some organized gang stalking involved. Tell us a little bit about that. Not just kind of a Reader's Digest version. Basically, people that you have nothing to do with arrive into your life and begin to make your life a living hell. So that is what happened, and that is what's going on right now. And this has been going on for how long? Since 1982. Wow. The same people involved? Um, Some of the original people, but some of the original people have now left the neighborhood, and other people have joined into this. Okay. But there are people that have been involved in it for years, the same people. And can you give us uh, some examples of, of what kind of harassment is going on here? They start off in a bizarre way. They originally were talking about the evil eye. And supposedly our family had the evil eye. And they would start saying that we were trying to kill them. Um, People would actually start screaming that we were trying to kill them. And then we had a lot of racial um, incidents, racial violence. So they started our family's a mixed family Mm -hmm. of different religions and races. And they would start to call certain members of the family um, old Jews, old crippled Jews. Other members of the family were called heathens, this kind of stuff. Then a lot of property damage, a lot of stalking, um, a lot of physical violence. Okay, Brenda, let me just stop you there. How do we differentiate between just having horrible, horrible, hateful, racist neighbors... Uh, and that this is some sort of organized uh, stalking? The people that start the uh, stalking 
drag in other people. And very soon, the whole neighborhood is involved, and the police. And the police seemingly protect them. No matter what they do, the police side with them, and they actually show up to protect them. In other words, you filed complaints about your neighbors that are hurling these horrible, horrible racial slurs, uh, screaming at you, and so forth. Physical violence, attacks, hitting you, punching you, kicking you, spitting on you. And the police do nothing? That's right. They did nothing. And can I ask you, not that you should be in this position, but why have you remained in this neighborhood? We have a problem getting out of the neighborhood because of finances. Okay. And so because of the damages that they've caused at our property, the things that they've done to us caused us to have legal fees, to have um, to have to hire bodyguards, private detectives, borrow money to protect ourselves so that you're left in almost an impoverished state. And they use that as part of this scheme, or whatever you want to call it, to harass you. And they'll say, oh, you don't have any money left. You can't do anything about us. And they'll start this. We're going to make you spend more money today. And so at one point, I was arrested. And bodyguard bill for the day that I was arrested was $500. Oh, my. Not to mention the legal fees and whatnot. It's a very expensive thing to try to fight with people that are involved in this organized harassment. Do you have any any evidence uh, of these horrible confrontations, videotape or anything like that? I was just coming to that return after 19 years of trying to get a certain court document. I finally got it. And basically what it says, it's two pages of a court document that names two policemen. And the neighbors are there in court and telling a judge that two policemen are protecting them, and that I um, I am being assessed by the two policemen to be apprehended under the Mental Health Act. So they were trying to get themselves out of trouble by using the police with their names and whatnot as their defense in this matter. And I had been reporting this, saying this for years, over and over again, when finally I was able to get my hands on this document. And recently, also after last speaking with you, I went to the chief of police. The chief of police held public meetings last year, and towards the end of the year, I got to meet the chief of police, who assigned someone to investigate what I was saying. And after I showed him this document, literally, he stopped talking to me. Oh, isn't that interesting? uh Oh, um, she she's got too much evidence. This is problematic. So I said, "What are you going to do about this?" He did not answer me, and he hasn't spoken to me since. And uh, what about your lawyer? Um, Basically, this is now beyond him, and he told me that I need somebody who's um, a different kind of a lawyer, someone who would take on the police. That this is very serious. That this has been going on all of this time. And finally, there's proof of, of their direct involvement in protecting people in the neighborhood. Can you can and you go can time, you go to the press? I did, and a very strange thing happened. A woman contacted me from one of the um, local newspapers, and she said I had contacted one of the crime reporters, and she said, "I know you believe you're telling us the truth, but we've contacted the police, and the police have said." that your house doesn't really belong to you. 
that's been the cause of a lot of the problems. That is very bizarre. Listen, so Brenda, I've say, got a... This is bizarre. I'll say. Um... I'm, I, I feel so horribly for you. I'm sorry. Listen, so hold on. I Just, I got I to gotta go to break, Brenda. Hold on, and we'll come back, and we'll continue this. Brenda and Stony Creek, and uh, the victim, it would appear, of some horrible, horrible gang stalking. And uh, we'll get right back to that and your calls as well. Here on The Conspiracy Show, open lines till the bottom of the hour. Don't go away. Don't be afraid of the dark. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To talk to Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. When you look at the sky, ever wonder if someone's looking back? This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. I welcome with Richard live. Call 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back. Before we get back to Open Lines and Brenda, uh, who's with us from Stony Creek, who has undergone uh, 20 years, she says, of organized gang stalking. Her family has been targeted with horrible racial slurs, violence, uh, and yet, she says, the police do nothing and, in fact, protect uh, the, uh, the assailants. Uh, recently, however, she says she has uncovered a court document which proves her case, yet still she's not getting any uh, satisfaction. However, uh, we'll, uh, we'll get back to that in a moment. Just a, a, progra- a programming note next week on The Conspiracy Show. Uh, Patty Greer, the crop circle gal, will be with us. Uh, lots of crop circle action in England these days, apparently. We'll uh, get an update from uh, uh, Patty. And uh, also Nick Redfern, who's always, always a delight. We'll uh, talk about some uh, Roswell documents, uh, Roswell UFO documents. And uh, we'll also talk with about uh, Big Pharma, all that, open lines, uh, what's in the box, op- and, uh, and much more. Our panel, of course. So uh, let's get back to uh, Brenda in Stony Creek. Now, uh, so you, uh, you have this court document, which you, says, which you say uh, proves the, the, uh, the police have been uh, protecting these people. Uh, these assailants, and uh, and then you went to a, a crime reporter, and they said something very bizarre to you that that they spoke to the police and they say something about your house not belonging to you. What does that have to do with anything? That's been said for years. This house does not belong to us, and that is why the neighbors don't like us. That's why they do these things because this is not really our property. And um, without going into the whole story, the bottom line is um, in 2016. I went and complained again, along with another member of my family, to some higher police at our local division. And they said, this is all um, mind games. People are just playing jokes on you. And if you don't stop complaining, now here it comes, Richard, if you don't stop complaining, you will be taken away. Oh, my. So everyone started talking about, the neighbors and whatnot, that they were told I was going to be taken away under the Mental Health Act. Then... A couple of days ago, that would be June the 15th, at a police services board meeting in Toronto at police headquarters, I spoke for three minutes. 
Usually you get five minutes, but I got three. There were so many people there talking on different topics that everybody was given three. I had a promise that in July I'll be given the real five minutes and I can talk on the same topic again. And basically, I hope I don't frighten any of your listeners, but in the handout given to people that were attending the meeting, on page 11 of the handout is something called public contact. And basically it says that last year, that is in the year 2016, just under 9,000 people were taken away, apprehended under the Mental Health Act. 829 of those were voluntary, and the rest weren't. So that means 8,171 people were taken away. Why would something like that be placed in a, in a pamphlet handed out to the public? I don't understand. When you go to, the, when you go to these police service board meetings, they have yes. an agenda with what is about to take place right. at the board meeting. And if you'd like a copy of it, you just walk up and ask for one. Could you scan that and, and send it to me, that page? It's actually, I don't know how to use the computer, Richard, okay. but it's actually on the computer. I was told that everything that's handed out is on their computer system. If you can't find it, I will have it photocopied, and I will bring it down and deliver it to you. So you think that they were warning people? What? I that if you, if you, if you say something you shouldn't, you'll be, taken, you'll be taken away under the Mental Health Act? I think it's a, when, when they say this to you, when they directly say, you better stop complaining or we're going to have you taken away. Please keep in mind, I've already been arrested once a number of years ago off my own property. After we were attacked by our neighbors, I was arrested, not the neighbor. And you have, do you have children? Yes. How old, if I may ask? Um, well, the one in Toronto is a grown woman now, but at the time... She was outside with me um, when we, we were both attacked. And um, we had to call on bodyguards to help us. And bodyguards aren't cheap. We're, we're a poor family. And literally, if you don't have the money, Richard, you have to borrow it to pay your bills. I understand. And then you have to pay the money back. Okay, Brenda, I, I have to get to some other calls here. But uh, please stay in touch. And if you could, send me that... Uh, that public contact notice that was in that police p- pamphlet. I'd like to see that. All right. I don't know what to make of that. And I honestly, um, I I mean, you sound friendly. like a 100% sincere, uh, credible uh, person. Uh, and if what you're saying is true, uh, it's it's unbelievable um, what you're going through. And, um, you know, my heartfelt, you know, sympathy goes to you and your family. This is terrible, terrible. Richard, what happens is they, they morph along with this stalking. And so it ends up becoming, um, they, as you start to complain, and I'm sure other callers will tell you this, as you start to complain, they want to prove that you are mentally ill because they don't know how to handle your complaints. However, I don't know how I, I was so lucky, but now I have this printout from this court document. How did you the, get that, by the way? How did you get that court document? I can't say this over the air. Okay. All um, right, fair enough. What you need to do, Brenda, though, is you need to, to gather some you need to gather some video evidence. Um actually, Richard, there was some photographic evidence gathered and whatnot and it had no it made no difference. Um a judge looked at it and he said, Well, these are just pictures. They don't really mean anything. Hmm. So we took a recording. And he said, well, the reason people are saying this on the recording is because they didn't know they were being recorded. And I said, of course they didn't. 
they wouldn't say that if they knew they were being recorded. But whatever we get, whatever it is, it's not good enough. So what I would like to do, if it's okay with you, I will drop off a photocopy of this. And I would like to drop off a photocopy of this um, court document that's really old that has taken me years to get. But I'd like to drop them both off, if that's all right with you. All right, Brenda. Please do. And again... um you know, my sincere condolences for what for what you're going through. It's terrible. It's I'm terrible. looking forward to July the 16th when you've said that you're going to do a show about this. That's right. We are doing I'm an entire show forward. on targeted individuals. Yes, Brenda, and hopefully you can call in. All right, thank you so much. Talk to you soon, Richard. Bye-bye. Wow. Uh, what do you do with that information? I mean, if it's true, and I, you know, I can't sit here and say this is actually happening. Uh, Brenda says it is. She sounds credible. I'll leave it to you to decide. I know there are legitimate cases of organized gang stalking that go on. I mean, th- these have been proven in court in a number of instances. Um, what's going on here? I have no idea. If true, though, this is absolutely a nightmare. Uh, Michael is in Thornhill. Uh, good morning. Good evening, Michael. Welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Thank you, Richard. How are you? I'm well, thanks. That's good. I want to speak to you about your, your term of ball lightning. You say it exists? Yes. I, I'd like to to talk about that. Have you had an experience with ball lightning? Yes, but I don't believe it's ball lightning. Oh, okay. Do tell. I, I spoke to physicists who, who said that, no, ball lightning doesn't exist. And, and I looked into it, and... and there were people in South America that had experimented with it using silicone on a, an electrical plated field who, who, who they, they put, put a volt through it, and yes, and they seen balls of light jump for split seconds. But that, that's, that's artificial. This, this thing they call ball lightning that floats through the air and can cross a room. I've seen that. Right. And I don't think that that, that's ball lightning. Well, you might be right, Michael. I'm just looking at a a story here that was published um, in the uh, Daily Mail out of England. Uh, What's the date on this? 2014. Uh, the headline is Great Balls of Lightning, Bizarre Glow That Has Eluded Scientists for Centuries is Captured on Video for the First Time. Uh, ball lightning is a sphere of electrical light that can appear during a storm. Researchers used spectrographs and video cameras to record the elusive sight, which lasted, here, this is interesting, two seconds and traveled 15 meters above the ground. The research provides the first evidence that the elusive glowing orbs form due to vaporized dirt. All right, so two seconds. Yeah, that if ionized gases. Well, they're saying you're describing. They're saying vaporized dirt. That's what they're calling it. Well, anything you electrify will 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 ionize any gas that you anything you burn will produce a gas which can be ionized and and like a neon light produce. Uh, an electrical charge that can be seen through light. Right, but this is a sphere, right? This is a spherical object floating um, above the ground. Now, uh, they only managed to, to record one for two seconds. So if people are seeing something 
you know, that lasts in some cases for several minutes, that would would suggest that it's highly unlikely that it's ball lightning. Correct. But as to the question, does ball lightning exist? Apparently, some scientists believe that it that it does exist, and they've captured it on video. That's the point I was making. I don't know. I've never seen it. Okay, I have, and with a witness who's with MUFON, and it freaked her right out, and, and actually disturbed her to the point of denial. Sometimes she would admit it. Sometimes she would deny it. It, it really disturbed her. So you're you're saying that the the instance where you thought what might have been ball lightning may have, in fact, been a, a, a UFO. Or you're not sure? I don't know. What, what that, what, unidentified? So I don't, I can't, I can't say yes, I can't say no. What I'm saying, I can describe what, what we've seen. Right. And it was not a single light. It was a light that emanated from glass, like you said, mm-hmm. that was not a ball, rather than it was a line of light, like an antenna hmm. going up from a car. Right. You know, it, it, it's, it's not just a single point, it, it's a line of light that eventually became a ball, changed colors, crossed the room, and, and went into a wall, and so disturbed this woman to the point of, well, she can't even talk about it anymore. But I don't call that ball lightning. No, that does not sound like ball lightning. No, no. because the, from what I've seen of, what I researched about ball lightning is that they, uh, these people, scientists down in South America, <clears throat> electrified silicone on a plate that they electrified and, and balls seemed to jump over this plate. And, and that was apparently the, the, the closest they've ever seen of ball lightning. Right, but something that's being created artificially under laboratory conditions, right, rather than something that arises spontaneously in your home in the middle of the night. Right, through a piece of glass. When you say through a piece of glass, what do you mean? It, it, it was a glass ashtray okay. that, uh, that was clean. Right. And so this this light, which was really a line, emanated from the glass ashtray, went up into the air, mm-hmm. formed a ball, turned colors, various colors, and then floated through a wall. Yes. Yes, and it crossed a room. There you go. That's not ball lightning. Ball lightning That's is one of those terms lightning. that gets thrown but around. Is that a UFO? Was that a UFO? I have no way of knowing, my friend. Well, I suppose technically it is. It was flying. It's, it was flying, it's unidentified, ergo it's an, a UFO. But was it extraterrestrial? Was it interdimensional? Was it uh, a spirit? Who knows? That's right. Here comes the crutch. Okay, somebody's going to be in town soon by the name of Dr. Greer. Mm-hmm. He says you can contact UFOs through meditation and intention. Right. I did that before this happened. Ah. Now that's the part that freaks me out. Okay, so I don't know. I, I, I don't have any answers to get to give to you, but I can just tell you my story if you want to hear it. If you did it I, once, could you do it again? Uh, I believe you can. 
Well, why don't you try it and maybe set up some... I can't, here we go again with videotape evidence. Videotaping. Let's try it, Michael. I'm with MUFON. I know the importance of videotaping. I had an experience with a huge UFO, and it's like in my brain going, go grab the camera. But you can't. No, you're paralyzed. Michael, I got to run. You're paralyzed because you, you, you think, hey, if I move, this thing's gone. Michael, I got to run, but thank you for calling. Check in again. Try that experiment and let me know how it goes. Okay, buddy. Carl Gallup's final warning when the lion roars. Alien deception when the program continues. The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Stay with us. Shaking the world and seeing what falls. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. When in doubt, blame the government. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Again, just a uh, programming note. Next week on the program, we'll have our panel, of course, off the top. What's in the box? Our weekly remote viewing experiment. Uh, uh, Patricia Greer, Patty Greer, the crop circle gal. Uh, who has made multiple films on this interesting phenomena, will be here to talk about crop circles. And Nick Redfern uh, will talk about the uh, 70th anniversary of Roswell and some new documents apparently now available on uh, the uh, supposed Roswell UFO incident. Speaking of UFOs and aliens, of course, we talk a lot about it on the program, uh, but is it, in fact, a deception? You know, back at the the height of the Cold War, back in 1952, there was a memo, uh, I believe it was uh, Colonel Chadwell, uh, who was uh, suggesting that perhaps the U.S. government could seize upon the uh, the, the alien or the UFO hysteria uh, and use it to their advantage, uh, perhaps stage a, a large-scale fake alien invasion. Uh, and this could be used uh, in order to uh, usher in martial law and uh, perhaps some sort of a one-world government. That's what the... Um, the theory says, or the legend, according to uh, to that, if you believe that. But is there any possibility that's true? Uh, we're going to delve into uh, the possibility of an alien deception uh, with our uh, good friend of the program right now, uh, Carl Gallops. He's a best-selling author, and of course, um, he's been on the program many times as both a panelist and as a regular guest. His uh, latest book is called When the Lion Roars, Understanding the Implications of Ancient Prophecies for Our Time. He's a broadcaster uh, out of Florida. He's a host of a very popular program called Freedom Fridays. And uh, he's got a new book coming out this fall. We can sort of tease it, but we can't talk about it too much. But I'm sure this topic... Uh, will pop up in this new book. Carl Gallops, welcome back to The Conspiracy Show. How are you, my friend? Richard, my good friend. I'm, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me back. It's great to be with you and your awesome audience, and I'm honored. And yes, we can tease it. It should be out September, October, and there are several chapters dealing with some of the stuff we're going to talk about tonight. Yeah. We, we do talk about uh, UFOs a lot on the show, and I am in the minority, I think, uh, and sometimes it can be a little awkward when you're surrounded by uh, believers in, in uh, ETs and so forth uh, to suggest an alternative narrative, which is, and it's one that you're in line with, I'm guessing, <laughs> I, I'm quite confident that you are, uh, that we're not, when we're talking about ETs, I believe we are unique in the universe, that we are alone in the universe, uh, but that doesn't rule out entities 
visiting this planet, interacting with this planet that may in fact be interdimensional. Now, do we want to call these interdimensional beings angels, fallen angels, demons? I mean, I think that is a, a worthy um, area of discourse, but there are a lot of people in the UFO community that don't want to hear it. No, ETs are white knights that are coming to Earth to save humans from you know, pollution and cancer and all of these horrible things and provide free energy to the world, and it's going to be wonderful. Uh, you're going to talk about this in your new book. Where, where are you taking it in your, in your book, Carl? Yeah. Well, listen, very similarly to your stance, um, probably, all, almost identical it sounds like, but uh, in this book I've, I've taken several chapters, three or four chapters, and now there's 35 chapters in the book, but it all ties together into an unfolding story, and again, I can't give it all away right now. But in this book I take I, I do a, a monumental amount of research crammed into these three or four chapters discussing exactly what you're talking about, Richard, and, and what I want your audience to understand. Listen, I, I spent 10 years in Florida law enforcement, two different sheriff's offices, prior to being in the ministry, now 30-something years in the ministry, 40 years of life experience in, in dealing with uh, supernatural and, uh, and and spiritual phenomena. And listen, I come from a biblical worldview. First of all, I need to go ahead and say that. I, I happen to think that the Bible is the Word of God. And here's the deal, Richard, and you and you hit on it without saying what I just said about a biblical worldview. And that is, the Word of God is clear that in the last day, sometime before the return of Jesus Christ, and he did come the first time according to dozens of prophecies written hundreds of years, even a thousand years before, fulfilled them all specifically. And that same word that predicted his first coming and fulfilling all of those predicts that he is coming again. But prior to his coming, there are some amazing things that are going to happen. First of all, Israel will return to the land. Well, here we are. We're there. Uh, secondly, after that, after that return to Israel, it'll be surrounded by, by enemy nations and specific nations that will align themselves together to eventually come against Israel. That's happening right before our eyes. Now, another thing that the Bible says is that there will come a generation, Richard, and I don't know. I'm not a date setter. I'm not an alarmist. I just know what the Word of God says, and I know what's happening in the world around us. Um, and, and the Bible says that there will come a generation that will see the rise of a literal one-world globalist government headed by this one that the Bible speaks of as the Antichrist or the man of lawlessness or, and these kinds of things. Well, let's just call him the Antichrist. Um, and, and the thing is, Richard, that in order to bring all of that about, there has to be a global connection. 2,000 years ago when those prophecies were given, there was no global connection. Now there is. Now people walk around with little black boxes in their hands and up in their ears and in their back pockets that connects them to the world and the Internet and communication, transportation, information technologies are through the roof. So we are ripe. The world, as you just said, is crying out for somebody, a white knight, to save us. And those that have rejected their creator as their savior and have rejected Jesus Christ, and it, it doesn't surprise me that, that they would be reaching out for somebody to save us from this coming uh, apparent nuclear war, that, uh, World War Three scenario. All right, Carl, i got to jump in. We'll take a quick okay. time out. We'll come back. Okay. Carl Gallops, a longtime pastor of Hickory Hammock Baptist Church and a former law enforcement officer, best-selling author, 
When the Lion Roars, Final Warning, The Magic Man in the Sky, The Rabbi Who Found Messiah, and many others. We'll talk about the alien deception on the other side. Stay with us on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. The truth will set you free. But first, it will really tick you off. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Take a look around. What do you really see? This is where you can tell all about it. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. Carl Gallops is with us, the author of Final Warning, When the Lion Roars, Magic Man in the Sky, The Rabbi Who Found Messiah, Others, longtime senior pastor of Hickory Hammock Baptist Church in Florida, former law enforcement broadcaster, Freedom Fridays. How can people uh, hear Freedom Fridays, uh, Carl? Gallops.com, my name.com. That's my clearinghouse website. Anything that says Freedom Friday on it, click on it, takes you to the main website. You can listen live, you can podcast, you can download. Uh, it's uploaded the very next day. You can click on the player and listen to it. Smartphone, internet, etc. CarlGallops.com. Thanks, Richard. All right, and that's Carl with a C, Gallops, G A L L U P S. CarlGallops.com. Yeah. Freedom Fridays. Yeah. All right, now, um, I mentioned yeah. Project Bluebeam. I don't know if you, yeah. if you touch on this in the book, but this is supposedly this was a declassified yeah. memo. And it was this um, uh, Marshall Chadwell. He was a senior director, assistant director of scientific intelligence to General Walter uh, Bedell Smith, who was the CIA director at the time. And uh, this memo was sent in October 1952. And they were talking about how they could seize upon this whole alien UFO hysteria and use the widespread fear of of sort of a war of the world's type alien invasion as some sort of psychological warfare tactic. Right. Well, listen, Richard, no, no, I'm going to continue with what I was saying because it connects into that. I don't doubt that there will be some type of deception. In fact, the Bible says in the last days, it doesn't say what it is, but it says there's going to be a great deception, and people will be deluded, people will be given over to depraved minds, and God will cause this great deception to sweep the planet, and those that are not spiritually discerning uh, will be swept up in it. Jesus spoke of it. He said that it will deceive even the very elect if that were possible. So something is going to happen that's going to be monumental, huge, that's going to assist in this a globalist government takeover, because the world's going to cry out for this savior, if you will, which will ultimately manifest in the Antichrist. And so, I, I, you know, I, I propose this in my book that possibly, could it be? I'm not dogmatic in claiming that it's going to be connected to UFO phenomena, but I, I explore this possibility and say, could it be? Because in our technological age of wonder, what can wow us anymore? You know, I mean, I mean, what could cause the whole world to bow down and worship somebody because uh, because we want this person to save us from the coming destruction? What kind of deception? Well, the only thing I can think of, I mean, it's purely demonic. And by the way, for your listeners that might not uh, hold to that, I want to read some quick little clips. Uh, from uh, my research, that from from uh, ufologists who are quite famous, who finally, after decades of studying this, they arrived at the idea that you know what, 
this this isn't real little green men from other planets this this is something about mind control this is something one guy went so far as to say demonic others went so far as to say this is something masquerading as as little green men as ETs but it's not ETs and so even some of these famous ufologists who are not necessarily, I don't know that they're Christian, they don't mention the Bible, but they speak in biblical terms. So the bottom line, yes, Project Bluebeam, I'm familiar with it, I write some of that, but the point I'm trying to make here is, I'm like you, I think we are unique in the universe. The Word of God makes that clear, I do believe. I leave room to be wrong on that, but I just can only go by what God's Word says, and in context, it's pretty clear that we are unique and God's doing something with this planet, with humanity. He's moving it towards his end. And I don't have time to tell everybody what that end is. But the bottom line is, near the return of Christ, there's going to be a demonic deception, a demonic delusion that's going to sweep the planet, Richard. And listen, man, in the last presidential election in the United States, Hillary Clinton and her campaign manager, John Podesta, they were running on the foundation that if Hillary's elected that she will disclose the UFO truth. She will unveil the UFO records. And John Podesta said, and I think the American people can handle it now. I think they're ready to handle it. I mean, they're, they're hinting as though they know that they know something we don't know and that it's so sensational, but we're ready to handle it now. Just a few months ago, Richard, in April of 2017, major British uh, mainstream uh, media, and it leaked over into other mainstream media, started reporting on U.S. astronauts uh, by name who were saying, oh yeah, oh yeah, ETs are real, they're among us, they're living on the planet right now. I mean, big name U.S. astronauts. And then... Sure, yeah. I mean, Edgar Mitchell, who was the sixth man to walk on the moon, the late Edgar Mitchell said... Uh, that that uh, UFOs uh, are real. Uh, yes. our, our former defense minister, Paul Hellyer, the former uh, yes. he was our deputy prime, prime minister, came out in 2005 and said UFOs are as real as the planes flying over our head, which could be true. I mean, when, but what do we mean by UFOs and who is piloting them? Exactly. That's the crux of the issue. Well, are they extraterrestrial or are they perhaps interdimensional and demonic? I think it's interdimensional, I think it's demonic, and I think the powers that be will work with that interdimensional de- demonic deception. And I think that, of course, there are always those within the powers that be see the hysteria, as you said, as a way of controlling the planet. Because let's, let's face it, and I spend several chapters speaking about this, th- there is, this is no longer stuff of conspiracy theory. Now with the Internet and the research I have in my book and all of it documented from major world figures in media and government, documented, there is a planned global takeover coming. I mean, we're watching the globalists go out of their minds with a Donald Trump, a a, a national sovereignty guy, with Brexit and all of this. We're watching the globalist phenomena, the demonic input, and that is coming. And they openly discuss, Richard, that, that there has to be a trigger to pull off the, the, the globe's desire to have a one-world ruler and a one-world government. This is demonic. This is satanic. They actually openly discussed that one of the triggers could be a World War III or an impending World War III, a nuclear holocaust, and it could all be managed with the appearance 
of an alien visitation. They openly speak of this, Richard. So, so yeah, they're either planning some kind of big deception based upon the global hysteria using technology that they have that we don't even know, and or it literally can be connected to a demonic manifestation, a demonic visitation masquerading as some kind of ET. Very quickly, I just read a sentence from each of these guys. Most yes. of your do I have time? Yes, go. Okay. Uh, most of your listeners will recognize these guys. John Keel, famed yes. UF, uh, ufologist and paranorm, paranormal researcher. Right. Uh, he wrote the well-known book, The Mothman Prophecies, That's made right. into a major... Ho- okay. Well, he, 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 made, he has a big quote about everything we're talking about, and here's one sentence that he ends it with. He says, the UFO manifestations seem to me, and this is after decades of research, by and large, merely minor variations of the age-old demonological phenomena. There you so go. Even, yeah, Jacques Vallée, I know you know him. Oh, yes, he's the grandfather of it. Yeah, yeah, back in 1977, he said, look, he said, here's what's going on. He said, this, he said, I, I, I used to think it was ETs. I used to think it was people from, uh, beings from other planets. But he said, now I'm beginning to realize this is, this is mind control. It is nothing but the control of human beliefs. And he says, and this has been going on throughout history as far as he can tell, and of secondary importance that it should now assume the form of sightings of space visitors. He said that's secondary importance, that now this mind control that he says has been going on throughout history is now assuming the appearance of space visitors. Well, guess what the Word of God says? Mind control has been going on since the Garden of Eden. It's demonic. It is satanic. And now, should it assume the form of beings? Well, I mean, the Word of God says that. And then we one more I just wanted to share, uh, ufologist Nick Redfern. Oh, yes, uh, on the and, program next week. Yeah, yeah, so you know, and, 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 and he was just quoted not, not too long ago. He said, look, he says, I kind of, he says, after decades and decades and decades, he said, I've been slowly <laughs> changing and sliding my theories around because he's examined this thing from the top to the bottom, inside and out, and this is what he says. He says, as many people know, my views today are very close to those suggested by John Keel. Now, he's the one that said it's demonological phenomena. And then he goes on to say, namely, that we're dealing with something that coexists with us, but which masquerades as extraterrestrials. So, you know, these guys are lining up with what you and I believe, because I come from a biblical worldview. I, I believe you do as well, yes. and we've talked about it. Yes. And so I, I think I can see this coming. Now, I'm not dogmatic about it, Richard. I don't have a special word from the Lord on it, other than what his word, uh, the Word of God says. But we're headed towards a globalist government. We're headed towards globalism. We're headed towards an antichrist. We're headed towards a great deception. We're headed towards the world crying out for a savior. And I think Satan is getting ready to accommodate the world, and he will take advantage of the mass hysteria of ET and alien visitations. That's what I think. Carl Gallups uh, has a new book coming out this fall. We'll touch on. Uh, that, uh, the UFO alien uh, question, and many others. And uh, he is also a, a broadcaster. You can listen to his uh, program, Freedom Fridays, out of Florida. Just go to his website, Carl Gallops, 
Carl with a C, Gallops, G-A-L-L-U-P-S.com, carlgallops.com, and just click on anything there that says Freedom Friday, and you'll be able to hear the show. You can uh, stream it live, or you can hear uh, previous shows. And, uh, of course, he, the author of uh, the best-selling uh, The Magic Man in the Sky, Final Warning, and When the Lion Roars, and uh, we're eagerly awaiting your next uh, book in September or October. Carl, thank you so much for this. Thank you, Richard. Thank you so much. I always enjoy talking about these things with you. God bless you, my friend. Likewise. God bless you. Carl Gallops. All right, Ian, thank you. Albert, as always, thank you for your fine work. Ryan White, back next week with a brand new program. Nick Redfern, Patty Greer. We'll also talk Big Pharma with Dr. Marks. We'll have our panel, Open Lines, What's in the Box, and much more. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There is nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. And what I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.